Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Well, that's the end of the video, and my face hurts because Pastor Lewis just hit me in the chin with the podium. I was about to say thank you to Pastor Lewis for heading up our lobby remodel construction project, and I'll still say thanks. Can we give a big hand to Pastor Lewis and everybody that helped out with that? Awesome. It's uh, great to be out there, and just looks like it should have always been there, in my opinion. So, Thanks for that. Also want to say thanks to those who uh, helped out yesterday, uh, staff members and people in the church uh, for Pastor Carl Lindelin's funeral. Uh, he was the very first kids pastor here at Celebration and we honored his life yesterday. Thank the Lord for his great ministry. And I just want to say thanks to those who came and helped out. We had students and adults all helping. We had uh, another loaves and fish moment. You know, you heard the testimony from our Cuba trip that they had taken 75 balloons and they were making... Uh, balloon animals for the kids. And I guess a couple of the balloons popped, but then somehow they had 75 balloons, a few popped, but by the end of it, they gave out balloons to 137 kids. So if you're not good at math, that means God did something that we couldn't do on our own, right? And so yesterday that happened as well with the food. We'd prepared food for 300, fried chicken, a bunch of sides, and uh, like 425 people were at the funeral, plus those of us that were helping. And after 300 people went through the line. There was still people filled up the steps and all the way around, all the chairs and tables were full, but only like half the food was gone. And then after everybody had gone through, then all the staff and volunteers got to go through as well. And then there was leftover food. So I don't know how that worked mathematically, but uh, praise the Lord, we're grateful for that as well. And uh, I'm excited about that. Jack, I feel like let's not order enough chicken for anybody and just pray that God will multiply it. It's better on the budget anyway that way. So uh, that's wonderful, but uh, we're, we're grateful to God for that. Well, I am starting uh, a new series, but we're kind of picking back up where we left off last fall in the book of Acts. We've titled it, The Church Growing and Going. So Acts chapter nine, if you have a Bible uh, and you're able, would you stand to your feet today? We'll put the scriptures on the screen. I'm gonna read this today, beginning part of our text. Welcome to those watching and worshiping online with us. Great to be with you here week after Easter. We're uh, picking back up Acts chapter 9. We're going to read 22 verses, but just 9 at the beginning so that you can sit back down. You know, if you grew up Catholic, you're really comfortable with stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. I'm going to stand up the whole time though. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 9 verses uh, 1 and following. The Bible says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. (laughs) That's a bad ombre right there. Okay, he went to the high priest, asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. 
The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days, he was blind and didn't eat or drink anything. No church donuts for Saul. Just to bring clarity, I would like to highlight uh, for Pastor Lewis that a donut is not healthy, even if it comes from wheat that came from the ground. It's important that he understands good theology. All right, we're talking about supernatural encounters. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have opportunity to come into your presence. Your word tells us that we can come boldly to your throne room. We can approach your throne of grace with confidence because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. So we ask now, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Help us all become more like Jesus. And we ask it in that mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the previous series on the book of Acts was in the fall. It was called The Church, Belonging and Becoming. We believe everybody needs a place to belong and become more like Jesus Christ. Now, uh, we're continuing on in the book of Acts, and it's uh, kind of this next grouping of messages is going to be called The Church, Growing and Going. And I, I believe it's descriptive of the season that our church is in, and I'm praying prophetic for the, church, the season that we're walking into. What do I mean? Well, the church has been growing. Um, Pastor so Lewis had given me an update just in 2023, just this year alone, um, there's over 100 people gathering on a Sunday in the building more than last year. So that, that's a lot of growth in just a short amount of time. But I'm thankful that it's not just people who maybe were de-churched for a while or uh, uh, needed to change churches, that, that God has been moving in people's lives in a more rapid way, and not just in our church, but across the nation. I've been hearing these reports from other pastors. Last year, we thank God for 201 people who responded to the message of salvation in services here in the building at Celebration. 201 last year. Amen. But in 2023, we're only, you know, three and almost a half months in. Uh, I guess technically we've hit that halfway mark now that today's the 16th. Three and a half months in, we've already seen 116 in this year alone. So, so God's doing things at a more rapid pace and, and uh, people are coming to know Jesus Christ. And so I know there's a lot of you that are newer to our church that weren't with us last fall in September and October when we talked through the first eight chapters of the book of Acts, Belonging and Becoming. So I wanna just give a quick little highlight uh, for those of you that are newer and maybe a reminder for those of you that have forgotten because we've been through two winters and three summers since that fall here in Minnesota, or maybe it's four winters and two summers. I don't know what it is, but Minnesota needs to make up its mind. I was done with jackets, but then I woke up and I'm not done with jackets, so I, I pulled it back out. And so anyway, let me just give you a recap. And if you weren't with us in September and October, I hope you go back, watch those messages online, because just a couple moments of recap won't really describe what God was doing in our hearts and in our services in the life of the church. So uh, the book of Acts, chapters, first eight chapters, first message was called Power for Today. That We had that illustration of Mentos and Coke, and it was like, we put the Mentos in, the Coke went everywhere. And that was about us being reminded that the Holy Spirit is for us to be witnesses. It's not about getting more of the Holy Spirit for us. It's really the Holy Spirit 
for those that are around us. And we want to be witnesses of what Jesus is doing in our life. Week two was all about proclaiming the gospel. It was a megaphone. Some people were too loud to be heard. <laughs> Some people were obnoxious is another way to say it. Some of you are thinking of that person right now. Praise the Lord. Hopefully you're not that person. Amen. But, but we're asking the Holy Spirit to make us loud and effective for the kingdom of God. And then uh, uncommon community was all about the balloon and nails. And so we're all going to go through struggles. We're going to go through tough times. But if we have a community of believers that we can link arms with, that pressure won't pop our balloon. We'll be around with other people. Uh, we're walking in power. Week four was when we prayed for healing. We saw many people heal physically. We continue to hear reports of what God is doing. And uh, really, it's only increased in size and scope since then. And uh, so we thank the Lord for that. Week five, obedient disobedience. We played that game, Simon Says. And uh, we were reminded that the enemy can't offer us anything good. I thought it was gone, but I found it in the first service. The fake Walmart gift card is still there uh, in my uh, preaching folder. So don't believe what the enemy offers to you. It's a lie. It's a trick. Just obey the Lord. Uh, week six was dangerous deception. That was when Ananias and Sapphira lied about their offering. And the Bible says that they both died right there in church. So the illustration that we used that day was no illustration. We're like, the last time it happened, two people died. We're not going to do that again. <laughs> you know? Everybody just be honest about what you're giving in the offering. Amen. Okay, so that was that one. Uh, week number seven, planning for problems. That was all about leadership structure that would help make sure that everybody can receive ministry. And then week number eight was called church growth. And uh, we celebrated with water baptisms on a fifth Sunday then. And so that's coming up in two weeks as well. So today we're back in the book of Acts and we're on chapter nine. Now this chapter that we just began to read, and I'll read more verses from, contains the most pivotal conversion in the entire New Testament. Saul was radically transformed. Would Later we would hear that he becomes Paul, and uh, God would use him to write like half of the New Testament, 13, maybe 14 books in the New Testament out of 27. So pretty cool. And today we're talking about supernatural encounters. Salvation is the greatest miracle of all. And this is the account when Saul was radically saved. And then we're also going to hear um, some testimonies from some of our staff members about how God used other people to bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. And I believe you'll be encouraged when you hear that. So hopefully you got a note sheet and I uh, got three points and a closing statement, which is kind of like a fourth point, but it didn't fit stylistically with the first three points. So I made it a closing statement. That's just the truth of how it happened. Number one, God can save that one. Uh, I've bolded, I've emphasized it, I've capitalized the word that, and I want to emphasize the word that here this morning. Uh, I believe every Christian, especially those in this service, the ones at first service, I'm not so sure about. <laughs> I'm kidding. I told them the same thing about you. I believe every Christian would say that they believe John 3:16, for God so loved the world, that God loves everybody. Amen. Four of you agree with that verse. Okay. I undersold your belief in the Bible. <laughs> even in my own mind, right? That whoever believes, that, that's what we believe, right? That Jesus died for everybody, that whoever believes in him, you can't believe what you want. You can't believe it the way you want it to be or prefer it to be. You gotta believe in Jesus. He is the only way, he is the only truth, and he is the only life, but whoever believes in him, you're not gonna perish, but you're gonna have everlasting life. Can I get a good amen? Amen. So most of you uh, believe that. I, I believe every Christian, you know, would say they believe it, but it really is more of like 
a macro belief. We, we believe it from 30,000 feet. God loves the world. We see that planet, it's recognized. But when we zoom in and it goes from the world to a country, to a state, to a neighborhood, to a person, when Google Earth zooms into the face of that one, we're less convinced. Half of you are honest about that, being less convinced. But the truth is all of us can think of someone that we're not really sure. Now, growing up in church, I'm um, fifth, fifth generation Assemblies of God pastor. I, I grew up going to Sunday school, and, and I would hear these illustrations about Saul, that he was the worst dude of his day, right? He was breathing out murderous threats against the people of God. That is a bad dude. And they would say, think of the worst person in the world. Now, when I was younger, that was Saddam Hussein. And my Sunday school teacher would say, God loves Saddam Hussein, and it would be like Saddam Hussein writing half the New Testament. And I was young. I was like, okay. Didn't bother me. I didn't know Saddam. Wasn't in my math class. I didn't share a locker with him. Go ahead, God, save Saddam Hussein. Right? Then got a little older, maybe more recently, they were like, it's like Osama bin Laden. I'm like, okay, don't know where he is. Our whole country doesn't know where he is. God can save him too. That's fine. Let us know where he is. I don't know. Because both of those names were hypothetical. They didn't impact me. They were still macro. God loves, loves everybody. God can save anybody. Woo, that's awesome. I believe it. It's in the Bible. But if it was like my least favorite classmate, now, here's, here's, here's the reality that maybe I'll be the only one in the room courageous enough to admit. There are people that I've encountered that deep down somewhere in a dark part of my soul that I hadn't fully surrendered to Jesus, I kind of wish and hope and believe that they spend eternity in hell. Now, I know some of you are like, I can't believe the pastor would admit that. But the truth is, whenever we say no on their behalf, that they wouldn't accept the gospel, what we're really saying is, I hope they get what they've got coming. Wow. Wow, that's good. That's good. And the truth is, we know what they've got coming. If, if they're on the road that leads to death, we know what the word says. And all of us at times have become unwilling to share the good news with that person because they've done too much wrong, maybe against us or to other people. And we just feel like, you know, get them, God. But the truth is, the Bible says it's God's will that nobody would get them, God. It says it's his will that none should perish. And therefore, if God doesn't want anybody to perish, we shouldn't want that either. And so we believe it on a grand scale. Okay, God, that, that dude over there in the Middle East, I've never met, but it's a little bit more personal if it's our boss that we don't like. If it's our coworker that takes credit for our work and gets the promotion and the increase. If it's a teammate or a classmate and they're bullying us or somebody else. It becomes more personal. And that's why this first point is not that God can save anybody, because I think all of us in the room would be like, yes, he can. But, but we're less convinced that he can and wants to save that one. Saul was that one of his day. 
He was the one that everybody would agree. We'd all be better off if he just died. He was that one. He was that politician you didn't vote for. He was that neighbor that, that has a banner you don't agree. He was that one. And what I want to do today is not so much get you to believe philosophically, but practically. That when God so loved the world, yes, he loved that one. And really the way that we're reminded that he loves that one is that we remind ourselves we're not that different from that one either. Now our actions might've been different. They might've been less severe. They might not have been as, as offensive to a large group of people, but all of our actions have the same result, separating ourselves from God. And therefore, really we weren't that different after all. God can save that one. So I wonder how we would act if we really believe that God could save that one. I don't mean believe it philosophically. I mean believe it practically. If we really believed it. You know, one of the things that I love about uh, a prayer gathering every Wednesday night, and I get to see the emails before, but uh, one of our, our members that comes to the first service, his name is David Entler. And every Friday night, he goes out witnessing, asking the Holy Spirit to let him meet somebody uh, that needs it. And we get to pray for these different people, their names, as he gives them a gospel of John and talks with them. And, you know, if you've never gotten the privilege to share Jesus with somebody for the very first time, I want you to know there's something uniquely exciting about sharing the good news with people who've never heard about Jesus before. They're, they're, I'm just, it's hard for me to explain it to you. It's hard for me to describe it. I'm just telling you uh, there, there's nothing else like it. But tragically, and lately I, I've heard from believers, and it's not just limited to lately, but throughout my time in ministry, I've heard from believers that they talk about other people who are too far gone as though we write them off and we just say, well, the Bible says he'll give them over to a depraved mind. We're done with them. But, but here's the truth. God knows who will repent and turn from their wicked ways and who won't, but we don't. Therefore, let me give you our responsibility, our biblical mandate as humans, if they're still alive, that we're called to pray for them and do whatever we can to get the good news of Jesus Christ to them. And if they're dead, they're in front of judgment. It's too late. But if they're still alive, we ought not say, well, they're too far gone. Nobody was more far gone than Saul. And yet God came and radically changed his life. Jesus showed up and miraculously appeared to Saul. So if God can save Saul, God can save that one, he can save the one in your life as well. Number two, God wants to use everyone. If the first one was all about Saul, this is about Ananias. I'm gonna read these verses, but, but let me just say it more clearly. God wants to use you and me. He wants to use everyone. 
in verse 10, the Bible says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. I just love those words. In Damascus, there was a disciple. Wouldn't you know it? In the town that Saul was headed to, in the place where Saul was now trapped because he was blind and couldn't see, God had a disciple at just the right time and in just the right place for just the right purpose. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. I'm hoping that it could be said of us. In Lakeville, there was a disciple. In, in Prior Lake, there was a disciple. In Burnsville, in Apple Valley, in Egan, in Elko, and whatever, Bloomington, whatever other city. There's a lot of cities in the South Metro. Some of you drive from beyond the South Metro. I'm praying that it would be said. In my town, there was a disciple. Come on, that God can use us to minister his goodness and his grace to those in need. What a shame if Saul had made it to Damascus and there was nobody there that God could use to help him. Don't let it be said, oh God, of of this town and the community that I live and that, that you're in. Don't let it be said that there's no disciples there. But there's a man, there's a woman who's willing to be used by God to administer the gospel to those in need. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord said to him, go to the house of Judas and Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul for he's praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Oh, come on, that's a prophetic word right there. That's a specific prophetic word. <laughs> I, how many, I'm believing that God will give us words like that, Amen. But how many people know you can get a word like that and still ask God for more proof? Some of us are like, okay, God, give me a sign. We get a sign and we're like, how about another one? And another one, send somebody else. You know what I mean? Like this is crazy. So many times we want more and more info and I'm praying that we would be people who would trust the voice of the Lord so much we wouldn't need more specifics, but we'd just go on a nudge. But I'm thankful he'll give specifics, but notice the human condition. Even for a disciple named Ananias, he was like, are you sure, God? Well, it didn't sound like he was being vague. It didn't sound like he was confused. He said, let me remind you, Ananias, go to the house of Judas. Weird name after the whole Jesus crucified thing, right? You know what I'm saying? Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He'll be praying in a vision. He had a man named Ananias. That's you. You're wearing a name tag and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Wow. So he had to go to a certain house on a certain street for a certain man sent by another certain man with a certain condition. That's a specific word from the Lord. And what did Ananias say? Are you sure? Are you for real God? He said, Lord, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Can you imagine if God looked at Ananias and he was like, oh no, I didn't realize that. Are you serious? He's a bad dude? No way! God's like, I know. That's why I had to give you all this information. Because if he was a nice guy, I'd be like, hey, go tell a nice person. And I would be like, send me, Lord. 
But this was a dude who was arresting Christians. So what was Ananias saying? I will risk my personal safety for the call of God on my life. God was like, yeah, I know what he's done, but I know what I'm going to do so you can go. I pray we get specific and prophetic words, but we shouldn't wait for that much detail that we can just trust the voice of the Lord. Because I believe God wants to use everyone. But you know, tragically, not everyone wants God to use them. Yeah, there are many times in our life where we're like, God, send somebody else. I'm busy, it would inconvenience me, or I just don't really like that person. I receive your silence as in the first, as agreeance. He goes on to say, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to all the people of Israel. He said, I know what he's done, but I know what I'm going to do. This is going to be a massive change for my kingdom, he says. In verse 16, I don't know if this encouraged Ananias in a different way, but he says, I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name. <laughs> Ananias is like, all right, God, I'm in. <laughs> Let's ride. I don't know, you know, but anyway, uh, I'm sure all of us would say, I want God to use me. But the truth is there is more than one time in most of our lives where we say, God, use somebody else to reach that one because of what they've said, what they've done. As I mentioned earlier, I'm ashamed to admit how many times I've said no on someone else's behalf to the good news of Jesus Christ without ever giving them the opportunity. And you know, when we encounter someone with the leading of the Holy Spirit to invite them to church, share Jesus with them, give them an encouraging word, and we stay silent, what we're functionally doing is saying no for them to the gospel because we didn't even give them a chance. Ananias was like, hey, God, are you sure about this? Saul's a bad dude. He's on the other team. And God's like, exactly. Luke 19, 10 says, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. What does that mean? Jesus came for the people on the other team. That the people on this team ought to go to that team and say, God wants you on his team. So God wants to use everyone, but the question is, does everyone want to be used by God? Or maybe another way to say is, are we willing to obey when God tells us to go? But the Lord said, go. Point number three, God will send you to someone. God can save that one. God wants to use everyone and God will send you to someone. I love the obedience of Ananias. The Lord said, go. And in the next verse, it says, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. You know, we don't know a whole lot about Ananias after this. We kind of lose track of him throughout scripture. And yet here's what we know. When the Lord said, go, Ananias went. It was added uh, or to, to my memory or refreshed in one of my life goals. If you can't say anything else, at least say that he obeyed the Lord. Ananias 
didn't get nearly the accolades that Saul, who would become Paul, would. God would use Paul to write half the New Testament, to instruct the uh, daily life of the local church in ways that no other human would. After this, we, we kind of lose track of Ananias. But what a powerful statement that the Lord said, go, and Ananias went. Oh, that we'd have men and women like Ananias, who when the Lord would say go, they'd simply obey. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, and placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, notice the, the shift that had already happened in his heart. Words matter, friends. And as long as we speak unkindly about them, we probably won't welcome them with us. And Ananias showed up on the scene, been moved by God, and he called him Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, it was not a church donut. He regained his strength. (laughs) If it said he got diabetes, then we would know it was a church donut. But it said he regained his strength. So maybe it was asparagus. I don't know. Probably wasn't. It's not in my notes. Why am I talking about it? Because Pastor Lewis had a donut. All right, back to the Bible. When we say yes to what God asks us to do, we can be confident that he'll allow us to be part of his miracles. This is what happened. Ananias got to be part of the miracle. He laid his hands on him and he prayed for him and Saul's sight was restored. Now, here's what I believe. I don't know that I can fully prove it in this text, but I think in the whole of scripture, I can. If Ananias had said no to God, God would have used somebody else to bring that miracle to to Saul. So Ananias is really the only one that would have missed out on the miracle. God was gonna get the miracle to Saul one way or another. So if we are like Ananias and we have already surrendered our life to Jesus, the question is, will we say yes and get to be part of incredible miracles or will we say no and miss out? I wanna be somebody who says yes and gets to be part of what God is doing. Bible says that he went to him, he laid his hands on him and his sight was restored. Now, how many people know if you go pray for somebody who's blind and now they see, you're like, who can I pray for next? (laughs) The only people that don't wanna pray for somebody else are the people who haven't prayed for anybody. Because once you see God do a miracle, you're like, sign me up for prayer round two. This is awesome. I don't need to watch my TV show. I want to pray for somebody else. There's nothing wrong with watching your TV show, but if you have opportunity to partner with God and see miracles take place, it's way better than what CBS or Fox or NBC has to offer anyway. This is life change. It's miracles. He went and he laid his hands on him. The scales fell off his eyes and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. All of a sudden, Ananias didn't have an enemy. He had a brother. He had a co-laborer for Christ. This is incredible. Then the Bible says he got up and was baptized. 
By the way, I, I don't know what I'm going to teach on in two weeks because uh, I need to look through the book of Acts a little bit more. But when we do water baptisms in two weeks, let me just give you a little in case in two weeks I don't have a passage on water baptism because I'll just preach whatever the text says. Let me just give you some thoughts about water baptism now. And then in two weeks, it'll make more sense when we do water baptism. Maybe you're wondering, do I qualify or who should be baptized? Let me just mention water baptism. Here we go. Saul was like on the way. He was breathing, mur- breathing murderous threats. God knocked him down, made him blind. He went there, he got his life right, and then he immediately got baptized. That's about, you know, a quick summary of that. Water baptism is not a demonstration of perfection, but a declaration of a change in direction. Like, that's important. Saul had not yet written a bunch of letters to the churches. We're not aware of his name being changed for a couple more chapters. He hadn't really... um, gone through many classes at church. It just seems like he's, he was changed and then he got baptized. So let me just give you like the short summary of, cause somebody said, you know, can you explain a lot about water baptism? Sure. It won't take me long. You were dead in your sin. If you've said yes to Jesus, then you should be baptized in water. There's the whole book. You don't have to buy it on Amazon. Like that's, that's like literally the whole thing. And some people, you know, I'm in some, some pastor Facebook groups and they're like, well, would you baptize a person if, I'm like, I don't know. Did they say they want to follow Jesus? Then pretty much my answer is yes. <laughs> well, what if they were still struggling with, refer, it's a short book that I wrote on if you should be baptized in water. It's like, if you were sinning, you give your life to Jesus, then yes, you should be baptized in water. <laughs> because it's not a demonstration of perfection. Now, There's a whole process of sanctification. There's a lifetime that you're going to spend becoming more like Jesus. It's not like get baptized in water and then come back out the same. It's supposed to be an expression that now there's a change of direction. But the truth is, if we have to wait for someone to be perfect to be baptized, there's no pastor that can do the baptizing. There's no church member either, by the way. Don't get all self-righteous and looking like, oh, I don't know what his problem is. You got the same problem. But praise be to God, I sin way less now than I once did. It's called being married for a while. But I'm just saying. But that should be true for all of us. The longer we walk with the Lord, the way less we should be given into the plan of the enemy. We don't, this is not like, oh, we don't have to continue struggling with sin, but it's going to continue to be offered to us. But, but the more you say no, the more those habits, holy habits, if you will, are built up, it ought to become easier and easier for you to say no to what the enemy has to offer. Because you know it's not going to result in wholeness. You know it's not going to result in healing. You know it's not going to improve your marriage or your relationships. You shouldn't have to think about it very long because you're in the process of sanctification. But very simply, if you are here and you have said yes to Jesus, whether last week, last year, 10 years ago, and you've not been baptized in water. It's like a one box checklist. Should you be baptized in water? Yes. So in two weeks, that's your time. Let me summarize it for you this way. If you've said yes to Jesus, you should not wait for a long time to prove your salvation is real. It's water baptism is something you should do as soon as you can after giving your life to Christ. So if that's you, you haven't been baptized in water, you got a two-week notice. Get your friends and your family because it's awesome to be able to tell other people, this is what God has done in my life. Get them together and get baptized in water. 
Amen. That's a whole book. I didn't need to write it for Amazon. Now you don't have to buy it. Okay. Now let me also just say, uh, Pastor Lewis, that's right. He mentioned it. I was trying to think. Anyway, Pastor Lewis just mentioned uh, this Wednesday, we've got Alpha coming up. That's an awesome time to learn more about this thing called following Jesus, Christianity. Uh, 645, same time, family ministries. It's great. And another thing that we have coming out, I think in like two weeks, Pastor Josiah, Pastor David, been working on it a lot. It's something um, that I referenced last week. We talked a little bit at men's breakfast, something called first 30. And it's going to be uh, information that people will be able to go through in the first 30 days after saying yes to Jesus. And, and we're going to need people, to, kind of a buddy system to walk people through that so that they're welcomed into the family of God and not just struggle out on their own. Amen. So that's going to be part of what we're doing because God will send you to someone and God may use Pastor Josiah to send you to someone. Or Pastor David, for sure, you know, but that, that's what we're going to do. We're going to say, yes, we want to be used by God like Ananias was to bring about that change in other people's lives. So as we're praying for God to send revival right here to our church and across the South Metro, all over our state and around the world, we need to get ready to walk with those who are coming to faith in Christ so that they are going from a decision to a disciple. So we're going to need the help of everybody. And then uh, finally, I close with this and the, those staff members can begin to get ready. I'll call you up in a second. The least expected can become the most effective. This was something Pastor Josh mentioned uh, as he gets to share on this passage a lot at schools when he gets to go in and share his testimony. And uh, the least expected can become the most effective. I had to just leave it as he said it and uh, make it the closing statement since it didn't fit the format of the other points. But... Uh, Bible says this, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. There's that buddy system. Now, Saul knew a lot. He'd, he was like probably the highest trained religious scholar in his day. And so uh, his process, first 30 was only a few days, but uh, he was Saul. We're not. So we're going to go a little bit longer. Uh, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man that raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? Like, hasn't he come here to take them prisoners to the chief priests? They were confused. But it was a notice difference. We still believe that God can radically change people in just a moment. And they can go from destroying or trying to destroy the kingdom of God to being used to build up the kingdom of God. Verse 22, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. I just love it when God radically transforms people's lives and everybody takes note that something is different. Come on, Saul was the baddest of the bad in his day, and everybody was like, wow, what has taken place? And I'm so grateful for that. So I'm going to ask uh, some of our staff members, uh, Jack, and join these pastors and come up here. Um, I've asked them to share about how other people in the church were influential in their life, like Ananias was in the life of Saul, um, because... We, we see many of these guys now. Yeah, Jack's going to go first. Pastor Vicente also got to share in the first service, but he's preaching upstairs. And uh, Pastor Vicente shared about this guy named Tim, who 23 years ago invited Vicente to Celebration Church. Vicente was dead in his sin. If you've not heard him share his testimony, it's, it's on our website somewhere in different places. But God used a man named Tim to bring Vicente to church. 
and Vicente came, met the Lord Jesus Christ, was radically transformed, changed from the inside out. Now today he serves as a pastor. God's given him great favor, not only in our church, but within our fellowship. He's a leader of leaders, but it all comes back to one man named Tim, who like Ananias, had the courage to obey what God had asked him to do and simply invited Vicente to come. See, we see Vicente, we see these staff members now, and we're like, we, we love them and we even like them now. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Four of them like you guys. I don't know, but I'm with those four. The rest of the people, they just thought about their appreciation for you, but it's okay. Um, but there was a time where we would have been less certain about Vicente. He wasn't Pastor Vicente. He was on the wrong way, Vicente. <laughs> but the truth is that was true for Jack and David and Lewis and Josh. And in a moment, they're gonna share about those people like Ananias that made a difference in their life. Because one of my prayers is if you're here and you've been on that road that leads to death like Saul, that in a moment you'd say yes to Jesus and your life would be changed in a moment you joined those two in the first service, those 116 so far this year, you, you'd leave changed by the power of God. You don't have to leave dead in your sin. You don't have to leave the way you came. You could come one way and leave differently. In just a moment, you can be changed. But I'm also praying that each one of us would be encouraged to be more like Ananias, be more like these. It just so happens for these guys, it was all guys that came to them and, and, and shared about Jesus and brought them to church because you just never know what that one act of obedience could do. I don't think Ananias was fully aware that Paul would write half the New Testament, but he knew what God asked him to do. So I've asked these to come and share about that person. So each one's gonna share for, I don't know, a minute or two, and then we're gonna pray. Jack, go ahead. Well, good morning. Um, yeah, uh, 12 years ago, a little bit more than 12 years ago, I was Sergeant of Arms in a 1% motorcycle club in San Jose, California. Uh, and you got the tattoos to prove it. I do have the tattoos to prove it. And uh, I'd made a couple of phone calls. I knew everything was going south. People I knew were getting shot and killed right in front of me. Um, at some point, I called my brother, who was a pastor at this church at the time. And I had already called a couple other family members who said, Yeah, you ain't coming here. And I, then I said, Okay, well, I'll, I need to go somewhere. And my brother said, you know what? If you get here, we'll find you a safe place to be. And uh, God radically changed me. I was here about three months when I find, found Christ. And my life has been totally different since. Amen. 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 I wasn't born here in the States. Some of you guys might be able to tell by the way I speak English. Um, but I wasn't born here. Not the way you look? Yep, not, not the way I look. Okay, uh, got it. We immigrated here when I was three years old. And when we immigrated here, my dad didn't have more than $100 in his pocket. And so for us, our mentality was we came from nothing. We are in something. Let's make something of that. And so we are very rational people. And so growing up, I always lived in this rational mindset. It wasn't until 2008 when in a science class of all places, I sat next to my, uh, a friend of mine, who's my junior year. He invited me to church. He invited me to youth group. 
I, I told him no. And in my mind, I rationalized the reasons that I couldn't. I rationalized that I can't go to church because I'm not a Christian. You know, a lot of people who aren't Christians don't think that they can go to church because it's not a place for them. We know that to be wrong. But I told him no day after day, month after month, and he just persisted. Maybe, maybe that's where I get my persistence from. Some of you are like, oh, gosh, I have to thank the other guy. But he persisted. And it wasn't until 2009, my senior year of high school, near the end, I finally told him, all right, would you, would you stop talking to me? I'll go. And somewhere along the way, I gave my life up to Jesus. How many of you guys know that for me, where I was at to where I am today, I would have, not, I would have never met my wife. I would never have had my uh, four-year-old son. I would have never been able to have my daughter who's on the way. Who is that one that you can just continually, persistently go after? So biker gang, Buddhist. Go ahead, Pastor Lewis. Um, so I, I definitely didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, my dad loves Jesus now, pretty sure. Um, but... Uh, yeah, come on. Amazing story, my dad. But, uh, yeah, stand in the back. But uh, my dad, you knew him a few years ago, was definitely like the chief of sinners. You know what I mean? Like he, he showed me real good how to not live a good life. And, uh, um, man, I, I got to my senior year of high school. And uh, growing up in that, I, I wanted to get, get out. Hey, how can I get away from this? How can I whatever? And I, I started going to church. So I, I would have been somebody in the church but wasn't living that life. You know, I, I was there at church but outside of that doing all these dumb things. And get to my senior year of high school and I'm, uh, you know, I'm dealing with a, a tough drug addiction. And uh, it was by the grace of the Lord that I ended up uh, going to a, a Christian college. Um, it was... Only reason was because I didn't have to take my SAT, so that's I went to that one. It's um, kind of like homeschool college. Yeah, it was homeschool yeah. college for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's not real. Um, but no, not go real, ahead. But um, you can call it college, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, and uh, I even I, I got to this school, um, played the part, but still was doing dumb stuff. Still was not surrendered to Jesus, and it was about halfway through the year. Um, some of my dumb decisions had caught up to me, and I I should have been kicked out of the school. Like I. The director had every right, and I'm sitting in his office, and I can remember Pastor Art, our director, he looks at me, he's like, Lewis, I, I should kick you out. I have every right, but God wants to do something in you, and I want to help you. And uh, it was the first time I had a lot of friends in, you know, Christian friends, but this was the first time where somebody's like, hey, I'm going to push you. I'm not just going to be your friend. I'm going to be somebody that helps you there. And it, it was in that moment, total life change. I, I went out afterwards, and I prayed, and completely surrendered my life to Jesus and became a totally different person in one moment because of somebody's act of saying, hey, like, I'm going to do this with you. Like, I, I know that you're messed up, but man, I want to do this with you. So. Awesome. 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 So, so biker gang, biker gang, Buddhist, I don't even know if two faces is the right word, but around, but definitely not surrendered. Three people that would be easy for many of us to overlook, to discount the work that God could do. And then uh, Josh, Pastor Josh. 
Yeah, God takes the least expected. I'm kind of the Minnesota story. So I grew up in South St. Paul, Minnesota, and I was always in the athlete circle. And in athlete circle, like I didn't know anyone that followed Jesus or like really sold out to the Bible. And it was like excited about it and joyful about it and relatable with it. And so it wasn't until my freshman year of college, I went to go play college football at Concordia St. Paul, so stayed in Minnesota. And it was the, I was placed with a roommate named, named Jordan, and this was the first Christian I ever met that was like relatable. And we ended up becoming best friends. It was kind of that awkward relationship because I didn't follow Jesus the way that he did. And I always kind of made fun of him for his Christianity. And um, eventually I had this revelation moment with Jesus. So like he would always invite me to church, invite me to this like this Bible study at Bethel at the time. And I always said no. But then I had this revelation moment my junior year of college. And I had this experience with Jesus in my, my apartment room. And I couldn't deny God's existence at that point, but I didn't, I don't know where I'd be because at that point I was going through like just suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety. I didn't have any uh, answers. I didn't have any answers for eternity, where I was going to go when I die, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, but I had this moment, this revelation moment, and then I, I luckily had, by the grace of God, uh, an Ananias to turn to, uh, who was my roommate at the time, and his name was Jordan Still from freshman year all the way to junior year. And I turned to him and uh, was able to open up and say, hey, I'm struggling with all this. I want to take my life. I don't know why to live. I don't want to go any further further. And he eventually brought me to Lifeway Christian Bookstore, bought me a, a Bible, a uh, study Bible, my first Bible, and a devotional book, and all this stuff um, that I just started devouring. And, and truth was just setting me free. And he walked alongside of me and got me connected to a church and a pastor. And here I am today. And I don't think I'd be here without an Ananias named Jordan in my life. So... You know, as we were... Uh talking on, on Tuesday and Josh had shared how this kind of like life message for him as he gets to talk to students. Couldn't help but notice we started to look around the room and now a couple of us grew up in church and, but more than half of the pastors around the table they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for an Ananias named Tim an Ananias named Jordan an Ananias in science class and Ananias in Florida. And I was just thinking, God, thank you for those men named Ananias. Because this church, our team would look way different, but, but let's, let's take a bigger view. How many of us in the room can trace back that we're here today because there was someone named Ananias? Now, not really named Ananias, I get it. <laughs> I've actually never met one. <laughs> Maybe that's why we didn't hear about him again. You know what I mean? Like I've met Saul's, I've met Paul's, but no Ananias. But this week, I just renewed in my own prayers, and I want to pray for each of us today that we'd be willing like Ananias. Because I don't, I don't know. I mean, eight years ago, Josh was a different man. And what we've seen God do through him and his wife ministry today, eight years ago, nobody would have believed that possible. And I think it was like two Wednesdays ago, maybe three, Pastor David, he came up to me and he said, Facebook just reminded me 14 years ago on this very date, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. 
I did some math and I said, man, in four years, it's gonna be half your life that you've walked with the Lord. But 14 years and three weeks ago, he was a Buddhist. Who would have seen that coming? Lewis, I forget how old you are, so I don't know when you were in Florida, but (laughs) who would have seen that coming? Vicente, 23 years ago, you know, God's given him great favor here in our cities, in our church, but 23 years ago, it took a man named Tim. Now, God was at work. His Holy Spirit was doing what only he can do. But Tim came along and he partnered with the Holy Spirit. And I know my life is better because of those Ananias' named Tim and Jordan. And so I'm praying that we would be Ananias for somebody else. It's really my, my simple prayer. Sure, there's opportunities, specific things we can sign up for, but just a willingness to be used by God. Because we can celebrate the gifts that God has given to our church. But I I can't deny you the truth that it sounds like 13 years ago, I probably wouldn't have had a whole lot of conversations with Jack. My calendar doesn't really have a whole lot of sergeant of arms of motorcycle clubs. It's a gang allegedly, but it's a club officially. (laughs) Different prison sentences is what he told me, okay. (laughs) Government views them differently if it's a club, okay. (laughs) So who is it in your life, in your neighborhood, at your place of business that God is sending you to, that he'll allow you to come alongside You know, I'm somebody who happens to believe you didn't move to the place where you live on accident. There's people on your street that God would send you to. I'm somebody that doesn't believe that your place of employment is by accident, that there are people that you work with that God will send you to. And I'm praying for Ananias today. I'm praying that we would be Ananias because we just never know what God will do In fact, let's not limit somebody else's godly potential because of our narrow perspective. 13 years ago, Jack didn't really look like somebody we'd want helping out with little kids during the week. (laughs) You really were the least expected. (laughs) He passes background check, leave him alone. I just had to clarify that for everybody. <laughs> Let's be Ananias. To go and minister the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to the people that God's already at work in. Because we never know what eight years or 12 years or 14 years or 23 years, we just don't really know what God can do in their life. And the amount of people Again, we don't know a whole lot about Ananias, but we know God used him to go reach Saul. So I'm praying that would be true for us. Amen.
you bow your head and close your eyes here this morning? I want to pray for us. But I want to pray for you individually and corporately. Maybe you're here. If you say you're a lot closer to Saul than you are Ananias, if you've been on the road that leads to death, you've been living a life of sin, you're not right with God, but you want to be. Maybe your story would sound a lot more like some of these staff members from a decade or two ago. If you're here or watching online, we've got prayer partners standing by ready to pray with you. But if you're here and you say, there's sin in my life, I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free by the power of God. I want to be changed, just like Saul was in just a moment. I want to pray for you in a moment. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and you can put it back down. I'm going to pray for everybody, but I want to pray for you specifically here today that you'd leave different than when you came. And I'm also going to pray for us all that we'd be encouraged to go and be Ananias to somebody else. But if that's you, I'm going to count to three. If you say you're not right with God, but you want to be been stuck in your sin, the Bible says all of us have sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. If you were to die today, you'd be separated from him forever. But thanks be to God, you don't have to stay dead in your sin. The Bible says he offers you the gift of eternal life with him. You can be forgiven today. When I count to three, just lift your hand and I'm gonna pray for you. Before we go, you say, Pastor, if you're gonna pray, would you pray for me? One, two, three, that's you. Come on, lift it up. I'm just gonna pause for just a moment. Thank you, ma'am. I'm just gonna pause. Just gonna pause. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Just gonna wait. Thank you, sir. These four. Just wait, those online. I'm gonna pray for everybody here this morning, and then Pastor Josiah is gonna come and give us our instructions. But right now I pray, Father, for everybody, but I pray for these four and others specifically right now. Those who've recognized they're on the road that leads to death. They admit they've got a sin problem that's causing them separation from you. I pray, oh God, that you'd forgive them by your goodness and your grace here today. Change them from the inside out. Just like you did with Saul. He'd spent his life going one way and one direction and in a moment, everything changed. So today I pray for these and others that they'd be forgiven of their sin. That they'd invite you to come and take over leadership of their life. The Bible tells us, Holy Spirit, that you'll come in and make this place your temple, the place where you'll dwell. So I pray, Holy Spirit, have your way in each and every one of them today. Thank you for making them new. I pray also for every person here watching online. Make us willing participants in your story like Ananias and Saul. I'm praying, help us, oh God, to overcome our fear and our insecurity, our prejudgments. Uh, help us to simply say yes. May it be said of us that when the Lord said go, we went and we were used by you. Father, I give you thanks for the Sauls in our community and world, that these people who call celebration home are gonna be instrumental in coming to bring the good news to them. Father, we know the work that you're doing, you've only just begun, and so we continue to pray for greatest harvest of souls that we've ever been blessed to participate in. 
We thank you for allowing us to be used by you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.